In this People and Performance podcast episode, we're going to explore claims that the approach called design thinking is going to become a game changer for HR processes. Design thinking is a process for creative problem solving that's helping HR teams across the globe deliver value, organize their work, and find solutions. At first glance, product design and HR feel about as far apart as any two aspects of work can get. The approach, however, has been lauded by many in the industry as a powerful approach that solves problems through human-centric lenses. Josh Burson suggests, quote, Design thinking transforms HR from a process developer into an experienced architect. It empowers HR to reimagine every aspect of work, the physical environment, how people meet and interact, how managers spend their time, and how companies select, train, engage, and evaluate their people, end quote. I am Chris B. Rowling from Fidelo, where we have a passion for HR consulting and improving performance. Stay tuned and join us today as we delve into design thinking transformation. Our guest expert is Glenn Donaldson, Chief Customer Officer and President of IntelliHR Americas. Glenn is a specialist in HR technology with expertise and passion for product strategy, customer success, and business expansion. And most importantly, he's joining us from all the way down under. I hope you enjoy this conversation Bill Bannum and I had with Glenn. Good day, Glenn. It's a pleasure to have you on our uh, on our podcast today. We're excited about this, and and you did let all of our listeners know that this is actually four a.m. when we're recording this for you. So uh, from down under, and we appreciate you being here with us. So let me ask you some things as we get in here. So before we get into the value you see in design thinking as a methodology for leaders in HR to improve overall performance, let's take a few minutes to understand the basics. Can you start by explaining the differences between it and traditional, quote unquote, waterfall project management approach, where projects are divided into different stages and each stage has to be completed before the project can move on to the next? Yeah, for sure. And and g'day back to you, Chris. It's uh, great to be on the podcast. Look, I think, um, you know, design thinking is such an interesting methodology that's really started to emerge uh, I'd say over the past four or five years into the HR world and, and where we've really start to see it play out is in the form of um, software implementations and, and particularly, you know, project management in that sense. And effectively, I always say that design thinking, the best way to describe it is it's really that empathy approach to unpacking a particular process or project rollout. And it basically gives you the opportunity as you're designing processes or you know implementing certain projects and whatnot to really empathize with the end user's experience so who will actually be benefiting from the process who's going to be involved through the process what are their actual journeys or experiences throughout it and you know that might seem like a little bit of a you know a fluffy way to think about you know designing a project but at the end of the day you know we're dealing with people and humans and that sort of human factor always comes in to the success of the particular process, right? So we really need to understand or better understand how a person is going to react and shape a process playing out. You can't fully automate something and not expect those factors to have an effect there. Um, So really design thinking helps, I would say, the mapping out and the understanding of that. And then it allows us to really iterate and, and make sure that those processes are, are to their full form and, and effective as possible. 
and I guess that's a little bit different to say the waterfall approach. And although you know it's it's, it's chalk and cheese, and and they might be slightly um, in different areas of of explanation, but waterfall project management, you know, is is very traditional. You've you've obviously got the staged approaches where a lot, there's a lot of um, hierarchy or approval that comes into play. And design thinking is a little bit more different because you tend to involve other stakeholders that might not traditionally have been involved in the uh, project from the get-go and so we see a lot of that in play out in different areas i love that thank you yeah thanks glenn um bit of a follow-up for you then so in the waterfall project management approach projects are often led by a senior exec and, and hierarchy is fairly rigid talk to us about the autonomy that design thinking as 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 a different approach gives to teams and how that can keep them ahead of the competition so this is a really interesting one. So design thinking, um, where I've seen it very successful is, <clears throat> again, when you're when you're involving a lot of different stakeholders there. So, you know, you might put together a project team and they'll do a waterfall approach and, you know, you roll out project X and, you know, there, there's different phases to it. Really where I see design thinking playing into that is it's more so a component of how that project is put together or, or the process is designed. So, for instance, um, you know, a lot of the time, like you just said, Bill, it's it's very senior, executive, top heavy involved in the decision making process. What we tend to find is through the various um, processes that design thinking adapt or, or enable, you tend to actually have your end users, which, you know, I, I don't really like saying top or, or bottom employees, but um, more so, you know, the, the different area of departments and so on actually contributing to the end process and decision making there. So uh, a really good example of that would be, you know, when you're redesigning an onboarding process, for instance, using design thinking, obviously the entire onboarding process has been, uh, is in place for the employee's experience. You know, how are they onboarded into a business? What's their actual experience through that whole um, process? or time frame from the minute that they're hired, so they haven't even started in the business, right through to their probation, maybe even a year or two into the future with the company. What's that entire experience? Well, well why should senior executives be the only um, uh, group to be making decisions on what that person's experience should be? And I think that's really where I get excited about design thinking, because if you involve those end users into the iteration and the, de and the decision-making around what that process could look like through design thinking, that's again where we're seeing that empathy come into play. We're seeing different experiences or different um, rituals or processes coming in that might not have traditionally been thought of if we're keeping it quite, you know, hierarchy and rigid, which um, again, we, we see that in that waterfall approach. Okay, so um, maybe maybe you need to recap a little bit, but why is it such a game changer then, Glenn? Why, why, is, why is design thinking such, a, such an awesome approach to adopt when it comes to um that the fact that it, it's it's that human-centric approach it allows people to work a bit more on their own and, and try new things as well um what why does that lead to a happier company culture and more productivity i, I guess is the point right yeah exactly and i think this is where you know not to kind of take it off topic a little bit but where i see it as a game changer is design thinking through the means of implementing software and, and different applications or processes is starting to really promote this changing landscape that I can see emerging out of HR professionals or all the HR professionals, sorry. 
And that's really around where is the next challenge for HR? Well, I believe it's starting to be what our leaders have autonomy of and what our leaders are actually enabled to do in the HR spectrum. You know, we've traditionally had a lot of um, our hands on a lot of HR data before, you know, attrition, um, engagement data and whatnot. But these applications that are out on the market, we're starting to see their tools are being very decentralized from HR and given to leaders. And so when we pull that back into the design thinking concept, we've got processes or software that's being purchased by HR, that's being implemented by HR, but ultimately the actual tools and the value is there for the leaders to enable their teams and enable performance conversations and so on. So where design thinking kind of fits into that spectrum is really involving the leaders and the end users into the iteration again of the of the the processes and so they're in turn helping build what that best approach is going to be and i think that's again where the game changer is it's it's that whole concept around empathy and employee experience and so on and that really shapes and forms the success of any sort of process and, and again i'm i'm more so based in HR, so I always bring it back to HR, but you could actually apply this to any sort of um, concept in, in businesses. Um, but again, it's it's really that solution-orientated approach around um, better optimising a, a particular process, not just for HR, though. We're starting to see this help optimise it for the people that are actually benefiting from this. And, and in turn, that's, that's our people. That's our employees. Brilliant. So... Yeah, it begs the question for us and, and some of the things that work that we run parallel with in, in, in my space. And I just want to ask some questions about this. So, you know, as you start to think about what I'm going through here, what about the measuring performance-based on competencies? Um, uh, my Fidelity team and I help companies involve their people in more in the planning and carrying out their own development. As part of that, we try to ensure that our clients keep a better track of the skills and knowledge of the people. So my question to you is, does design thinking, as it offers less hierarchy, more autonomy, and, and some blurred lines of responsibility, does that mean that measuring competencies and rewarding success to individuals is harder? If not, why? Overall, does it make it harder? Probably not. I think you're right in a sense that sometimes these things can introduce a little bit of um, a blurred line of responsibility. I think one part that I see design thinking really succeed in is actually mapping out performance competencies and, and uh, performance-based conversations. So really, at the end of the day, a lot of organizations um, typically only have one performance process, right? Everyone's somewhat measured on the same sort of values or same sort of um, metric-based criteria. What we're starting to see a lot more in, uh, in, in the market is this need or desire to not only have individual type of performance metrics for different departments, but also being able to somehow streamline or compare those sets against each other, which becomes very difficult because when you're looking at, you know, competencies, it's it's difficult to compare pears and apples. Um, but, but a lot of organizations are trying to do that and trying to find ways around that. And I think where, you know, these sort of concepts start to really sing is that employees, there's a lot of skills and development opportunities on the table with employees but the the trouble is trying to identify where we can actually um, pull that out and, and where we can find the most value in that and also create the pathways for employees to identify them as well so that's where again design thinking really helps to map out those um, opportunities and connections um, 
but I guess where the blurred line of responsibility starts to come into play is, you know, how do you actually reward uh, an employee when, you know, people are being compared against certain data sets. And I think that really comes back to the sort of tools that you're using and being able to make sure that, you know, there's sophistication in the actual data that you're mining and you're pulling out there. Um, and I'd say that's something that does relate back to design thinking in a, in a matter of form, because typically how design thinking would actually work in the performance concept is actually starting with the end goal in mind. So starting with what's the actual data sets that we're needing to produce, what are the um, the metrics that we're needing to actually measure on, and then working backwards from there, whereas in other processes, like say onboarding and offboarding, you're typically starting at the start. What's the start of that process or employee's experience look like? And then working from left to right. Um, so there's a few different you know methods that we can actually apply there um, to, to achieve what we're looking for in that performance realm. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I, I love the, the part where you're talking about it being, you know, we're, we're, we're handling a lot of this up front uh, and defining it. And it's just figuring out how to get rewarded from it and how to get it finalized is, is the, is the thing. And, and I think if you do the definition up front and you're fluid and agile, I think you're going to make it uh, actually easier in the long run from just this brief conversation we're having here. So anyway, cool. Thank you. Hey Glenn, we are coming towards the end of this particular chat, my friend. So listen, as we look to wrap up, uh, we, we've got this one question that we ask of all of our guests. So you could take it anywhere. You could maybe answer in one word or tell us a little story. But um, we like to ask our guests from a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high performing company mean to you? Oh, this is a good question. And I, I feel like I've got a lot of eyes on me while, while I answer this um, for four o'clock in the morning. Um, what's a high performing company mean to you? Look, I think for me, this is probably a little bit controversial, but I think if your HR department still needs to make most of the decisions that come around HR, I think you need to look inwards because where I've seen a lot of success around high performing companies and high performing cultures is this cultivating of leaders empowering HR. And again, I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, that is the next wave or challenge for HR, I feel, is our leaders, and the pandemic has really, you know, fast-tracked this, but our leaders have really stepped up and emerged um, in, you know, in a decentralised world and, and where we're on Zoom and whatnot. And I think that's where we need to start thinking in HR, what are the tools that we're actually giving leaders and how are we enabling them? Because we know that that in turn is going to produce a high-performing culture. And so I think, you know, do a little bit of a self-assessment as to what your business currently looks like. Is most of your data still sitting in HR? Is most of that data not making its way to leaders? Do leaders not really have a voice in how their staff are on board and in how their staff are measured on particular performance processes? Um, in any of those HR processes, what, what sort of leader representation is in those areas? Because I think if, you can, if you're saying that there's not much, then I, I wouldn't say they're a high-performing culture or company. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's something that I've always kind of, I can start to see emerge a lot more and, and I can see a lot more value being, um, added to that argument. I love that response. Thank you. Hey, uh, Glenn, I do need to, to let you know, I think you're doing a great job on your accent changes. So don't let Bill <laughs> get, get under your skin with that. So I'll leave with that with you. Hey, and the last thing we always want to ask is how can we learn more about you and your efforts? Yeah. Like, um, 
look where we can find us at intellihr.com where um I, I, you know i sound like a crazy australian where i'm based in brisbane australia but we're, we're global all over so um yeah reach out to us on intellihr.com and you know design thinking is is uh, a component of what we do when we implement our software so it's uh it's a it's a really exciting um experience that we put our customers through when they purchase our software and and we, we've always believed in you know not just you know throwing our software at a company and saying good luck we want to make sure that it's embedded in and uh, i almost say design thinking is a little bit of a, a selfish part on our on our side because it, we really like to embed ourselves in in an organization and learn more for them and, and that's exactly what design thinking does wonderful well we thank you for your time today and you know the time this morning actually and i don't know if you're going to stay up the rest of the day or go back to bed but in any case thank you so much we learned a lot and we're excited that our audience had a chance to get the benefits from listening to you so thank you no worries thanks chris and thanks bill lovely to catch up again this podcast is supported by fidelo inc a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O.com.